Kent Garrett, welcome to another edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. It is Friday, February 2nd, 2024. More than 800 officials in the United States, the United Kingdom, and the European Union released a public letter of dissent today. It's against their government support of Israel in its war in Gaza. The letter urges those governments to use all possible leverage, including the cutting off of military support for Israel. The officials want to secure a ceasefire in Gaza that will increase aid for Palestinians and bring about the release of the Israeli hostages. The HuffPost writes that It's the latest sign of deep alarm among foreign policy professionals about the path that President Joe Biden and other world leaders have chosen. And meanwhile, President Biden made his first campaign visit to Michigan yesterday. He met with members of the United Auto Workers Union and visited a Black-owned restaurant. Biden avoided any interaction with the large Arab-American community in Michigan, which has been outraged over the U.S. support for Israel's war in Gaza. Biden officials took steps to keep his visit more secretive than usual. Plus, they did not publicize the location of his events, and his motorcade avoided protesters by using side streets. But the visit was not entirely free of confrontation. While Biden was holding a political meeting at that restaurant, a group of protesters chanted, quote, shame on you, genocide Joe, and how many kids have you killed today? That last phrase echoed chants that were aimed at President Lyndon B. Johnson during the Vietnam War. The Biden campaign has also started to ban Muslims from its campaign events. Here's more on that from Kyle Kolinsky. So there's been some... Uh... There's been some mumblings on uh, Twitter about this the past couple of days. Uh, Biden's finally out there campaigning and doing some rally speeches and things of that nature. And there's not been a number of examples of Muslim Americans showing up to a Biden event, going to walk in, getting singled out, picked out of a line, and kicked out, not allowed in the event. It's happened a number of times. Sana Saeed, uh, who has also documented some of these examples... And uh, according to her, she says that it looks like some Biden-Harris plants have kind of infiltrated pro-Palestine groups, and they're able to sort of single out who's going to cause a problem and might protest in a rally, and that's why they're getting kicked out. But as you can see here, Trita Parsi shares this. Is the Biden campaign resorting to barring Muslims from attending his campaign events, fearing they will protest against his support of the slaughter in Gaza? And this will convince voters that he is different from Trump? So let me play the video here for you, at least a little bit of it. 
Because we are choosing who's going in and out of the event. I'm sorry. Why are you choosing us to go in when we have an invite? Right, you specifically singled us out. <laughs> That's racist. Is it because we have the jobs? I'm happy to talk to so someone is. else. It is because it is. that's clearly, it I, I was afraid of this. You that's singled us out, out of everybody. What? Isn't out that against Democrats? Whole campaign? Out. That's very Islamophobic. That's very racist. I'm sorry. Are you? Keep coming through. We have you're an invite. You're part of the LGBT community too, right? And you're still going to kick us out? Come on through. Are you serious? That's crazy. Wow. I, now I really won't vote right. for her. Biden and her ass. That's crazy. Interesting. And you, and Whose decision is that? That's Vegas too. Because we want to talk to them. Okay. Right. Whose decision was this? Come on through. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being they're here. They're they're racist. Islamophobic, obviously. And you're being racist. They're 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 disinviting us because we have hijabs on our heads. That's why people. This is not a democracy. This is disgusting. All right, so it goes on. So, again, the question arises, are they kicking these people out because they, you know, they're wearing hijabs and so they fear, oh, they're going to disagree with Biden on Israel and they might protest his support of the genocide in Gaza because, of course, Biden is arming and funding Netanyahu and has effectively given him a green light behind the scenes, even though he does tut-tut in front of the scenes and says, bomb nicer, Netanyahu. Are they looking at them? They see that they're Muslim and they go, oh, they're going to cause they're going to cause a problem. They're going to protest. They're going to call out Biden. They're going to disrupt the event. And that's why they kick him out. Or is it like literally a broad policy of, hey, if somebody looks Muslim, we're just going to assume that they disagree with Biden on Gaza and we're not even going to take the risk. Look, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I can tell you this. I know that the Biden people have seen the same polls that I've seen where it was 60 percent support in the Arab and Muslim community for Biden in Michigan, and then now that dropped all the way to 17%. I know that they're aware of the widespread campaign led by many Muslim leaders to say, we're never voting for Biden now. I know they're aware of that. So, look, it almost doesn't matter to me whether they just banned Muslims to their rally or they said, we're only going to single out Muslims who we have evidence will protest, right? Because in either scenario... They're handling it exactly wrong. Exactly wrong. Maybe the reason why you're getting protests at all of your various events over your Gaza policy is because your Gaza policy is atrocious. Because your Gaza policy is green lighting a slaughter. Because your Gaza policy is indefensible. So maybe if you actually listen to the protesters and change course, that might help you in the election. That might save your ass in the election. There's an article that just came out today talking about how um, the Biden team, they've, they've given up on Arab and Muslim Americans in Michigan in particular, in that swing state. They feel like we're not going to win them. They're either going to stay home. They're probably going to stay home. And so they're trying to find a different path to victory in Michigan. They're trying to mobilize, find a way to mobilize some other community that might save them because they've already given up. Well, you know, you do have the option of just not backing the genocide anymore. You do have the option of sanctioning Israel at the UN, condemning what they're doing. You do have the option of not being a genocidal freak. You do have that option. But no, they're not going to take it. Instead, they're either going to ban Muslims at their event, full stop, or they're going to single out ones who they have some reason to think are going to disrupt and protest.
Look, I, I, look, it's it's an ironic conclusion, but I think it's unavoidable that all these people who are protesting at the Biden events, they are the warning sign, Joe. They are the ones who are like iceberg dead ahead. You know, you think these people want Trump to win? No. They know he's in favor of the Muslim ban. They know his policies were horrible vis-a-vis -vis the Muslim community. They don't want Trump to win, but they want you to stop supporting the genocide. And that would help you in your re-election, but no. See, that's the thing. There, like, any sort of good faith, substantive disagreement, even on the most serious of issues, is viewed as like, this is beyond the pale, this is unacceptable, we're not even allowing you in the event. Think about that. Because we always hear this talk, oh my god, the Democrats are a big tent party, right? Oh, it's a big tent. You got all people, you got conservative Democrats all the way to centrist, to center-left, to leftist Democrats. Like, oh, it's a big tent party, big tent party. But apparently it's not. Because the second somebody takes a correct lefty position against aiding a genocide, now that's beyond the pale. We're going to kick you out because we think maybe you'll protest because you're Muslim. Man, imagine blowing through this much goodwill. Imagine blowing through this much goodwill, all to support the, kill the carpet bombing of 13,000 children and 33,000 Palestinian civilians. Imagine being that loathsome, being that grotesque, being that much in your own bubble that you refuse to hear even the most honest good faith criticism you could imagine. That's where we are. That's where we are. So look, I'll keep my eye on this. My suspicion is, and maybe I'm being naive here, maybe I'm being too kind. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in due time. My suspicion is the Biden-Harris people do have uh, basically double agents who have infiltrated pro-Palestine groups. And so they know who's part of those groups and who's likely to protest for Gaza. And that's why they're singling out certain Muslims on that front. That's my guess. Having said that, is it possible they've done a, yeah, just no Muslims rule? It's certainly possible. And how ironic that we're talking about this vis-a-vis -vis Biden. Biden. I'm not talking about Trump, you were talking about Biden. Amazing. And finally, Caitlin Johnstone has some advice for liberals who deep down know what the right thing to do is about Gaza, but can't or won't. Her piece is read by Tim Foley. Here are five noises Western liberals like to make to avoid having to take a real position on Gaza. One, it's heartbreaking. Two, it's complicated. Three, but Trump. Four. I really hope there can be peace there someday. Five, I support a two-state solution. Let's talk about these a bit. It's heartbreaking. Liberals love talking about how sad and heartbreaking what's happening in Gaza is, like it's some kind of natural disaster, some tragically tragic tragedy that their government has been passively witnessing instead of actively facilitating. It lets them express their progressive humanitarian feelings without actually taking a meaningful political position against what's being done in their name, with their tax dollars, and with their tacit consent. In reality, the genocide in Gaza is not sad or heartbreaking or tragic. Those are words you use for diseases and accidents. When someone is murdered with malicious intent, we don't heave a heavy sigh and shed a tear and move on. We prosecute their murderer. It isn't raining bombs in Gaza because that's just the unfortunate weather there today. Those bombs are being dropped by Israel with genocidal intent with the full backing of the United States and its allies. This is a crime which requires outrage and punishment. 
not empty crocodile tears. It's complicated. No, it isn't. An apartheid regime has been oppressing and abusing an ethnic group which doesn't receive the same rights and treatments as others, and now they're dropping bombs on a population trapped in a giant concentration camp. If it was Jewish people enclosed in Gaza, while any other ethnicity rained military explosives on them for four months, no liberal in the world would have trouble recognizing what they're seeing and calling it what it is. But Trump! Push a Biden supporter hard enough on what their president is doing in Gaza, and eventually they'll start babbling about how bad Donald Trump is. As though Trump being bad somehow negates the depravity of backing an act of genocide. Or as though backing an act of genocide is an excusable offense if it means a little more student debt forgiveness or something. Democrats have no way to reconcile Gaza with what they believe about themselves and what values they supposedly hold. So when confronted with the horrifying reality of what their president is doing in the Middle East, they're left with no option but to plunge their heads into the sand and scream Trump as loud as they can. Nothing has exposed the true nature of the Democratic Party like a Democrat president running for re-election during a U.S.-backed genocide. I really hope there can be peace there someday. Like it's tragic, this one replaces a meaningful political position with empty emotional fluff to create the false impression that the liberal has said something relevant which aligns with their stated values and ideology. By saying you want peace, but refusing to say how you want the peace to come about, the peace you purport to support could mean anything. If Israel bombs Gaza into rubble and drives survivors into refugee camps in the Sinai Desert, they could call that peace because there won't be a war anymore. If Israel murders everyone in Gaza, they can call that peace because the bombs are no longer falling. Even going back to the status quo of October 6th won't be peace. It would just be returning to the abusive conditions which gave rise to October 7th. Saying you want peace without talking about immediate ceasefires and negotiated agreements is just saying you want Israel to keep doing what it's doing until it decides it's done enough. I support a two-state solution. The two-state solution is functionally just a psychological box that liberals mentally tick off so they can pretend to have a real position on Israel-Palestine. Israeli leaders publicly spit on the notion of a Palestinian state with its own military and national sovereignty, and there is no political wherewithal to make such a thing happen. It's nothing more than a conceptual construct which lets liberals feel nice about their personal politics without actually taking a stand against the Western-backed tyrannical power structure that is the state of Israel. In reality, there cannot be peace until Israel ceases to be an abusive apartheid ethnostate, until it and its allies pay massive reparations to the Palestinians, and until all the wrongs of the past are made right. This is entirely possible, but it would be a massive, massive undertaking toward a goal that would make the current status quo of Israel-Palestine completely unrecognizable from what it currently is. Merely flicking an intellectual thumbs up to empty notions about a two-state solution is just more liberal psychological compartmentalization. Other popular noises liberals make to avoid taking a real position on Gaza include something-something anti-Semitism and it's just Netanyahu and a few far-right jerks making things bad. The specific words don't matter much because liberals will make whatever noises they need to make to avoid the crushing weight of cognitive dissonance and resist the increasingly loud demands from reality that they dramatically restructure their worldview. That's it for this edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. I'm Kent Garrett.